Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly Gentleman's Hour here on Trending. It's great to be with you. We're going to dive into the controversy with Celtics coach being suspended for a whole season over an affair he had with a fellow employee. His fiance of seven years that's right i said seven years nia long has been blindsided by all of this found out just before the news went public also talk about the fbi raid on pro-life catholic family on a pro-life catholic family and the arrest of the father it's interesting to see what's happening it's sad to see it happening but i think that the pro-abortion stunt is an attempt to scare people from being a public witness for life. We'll talk about that a little later on in the show. Joining me in just a moment will be Devin Schaap from the Fathers of St. Joseph. It's our weekly Gentleman's Hour, and we're taking your questions. If you have a question, the number is one 914 especially on fatherhood. If you have a question for Devin, maybe you just need some advice as a dad, uh, dating, whatever it might be, we'd love to take your questions while Devin's here. one 914 or you can submit those questions online. We put question boxes up available. Just follow me at Timmerie, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. It's Wednesday, and Wednesdays in the church, we celebrate and focus on St. Joseph. And so we'll talk about the seven sorrows and seven joys of St. Joseph. I'm here with you. I'm trending with Timmerie. It's great to be with you. Devin Shatt, the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph, is with me now. Ime Yudoka is known now not just for being a coach, the lead coach for the Celtics, but he's now also known in a messy affair that he had with a fellow employee for the Celtics. It's led to quite the controversy. He is actually engaged to actress Nia Long. You may know her from NCIS and Empire, among other things. They actually have a 10-year-old son together, and he is facing, again, not being able to work for the next year as lead coach there for the Celtics. And he's brought speculation upon all the female employees there with the Celtics as it's not been um, fully released the name of the woman who, at least to my knowledge, who he had the affair with. And so although they've given enough details to put two and two together, uh, this has really created quite the stir. And I wanted to talk about it during our Gentleman's Hour today with Devin Shatt. Because I think it poses a great conversation centering around the challenge of fidelity in marriage, uh, making a commitment to marriage, and more. Devin from the Fathers of St. Joseph, welcome back to Trending. Hey, Timory. Thanks for having me on. What are your initial thoughts when you first heard about the story of Ime Yudoko and, I mean, him being suspended from work, the whole affair, and how publicized the story has been? 
Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that initially hit me. One, it's no surprise. I mean, and the reason I say it's no surprise is when we don't enter into the sacrament of marriage in the way that God has created intended to be, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So that was the that was kind of the first kind of gut reaction is is no big surprise there. But then the second one is how the world builds up people. And I think that a lot of us, all of us were wounded. And a lot of those wounds, we try to answer or to respond to those wounds by filling ourselves up with something, anything that's going to make us feel validated, affirmed, loved, you name it. And the world can push those buttons by giving us the accolades and honors. And they keep kind of pushing us up, pushing us up the mountain of glory. And then finally, the world pushes us over. And you see this with all sorts of rock and roll stars, movie stars, everybody lauds and lauds and lauds them, gets them to the top of the hill, and then pushes them off, judges them and condemns them. And it's exactly the opposite of the Christian worldview in Christ. And so that was my second gut reaction. But I think that overall, yeah, this is infidelity. This is not the way that any man should act. But again, I go back to it. Hey, you know, this guy is having intercourse with this woman who he's not sacramentally married to. He's basically, and Mia's saying, we're going to do it our way. We're going to do it without God's help. And so when we do things without God's help, we're just walking right into the devil's playground. So that's my initial gut reaction. I think it's interesting that you talk about kind of this idea of, you know, being cheered to the top and then being pushed off the cliff. That once mm-hmm. you get there, you know, you don't have the support. It can often be a lonely place, that level of success and stardom and achievement. And it's a reminder to all of us to stay humble and to be accountable in the midst of whatever we may or may not achieve in life. It's interesting because my initial reaction, Devin, when I first heard about the story, uh, was to learn that this man has been engaged to his fiance for seven years. This is after already having a 10-year-old son. I know they're currently, or over the last few weeks, we're shopping for a new house together as news broke about the affair, which his actress fiance Nia Long had no idea about and she was completely blindsided by it in fact the Celtics had known about it were dealing with it for months before finally just days before the public release that came to her knowledge Uh, but I do think it's interesting because we're in this kind of situation in our culture where infidelity has become increasingly more common whether it be through Uh, pornographic infidelity, which Mm -hmm. is a form of infidelity, uh, emotional affairs and conversations, or outright physical cheating. And here's a situation where this couple isn't married. They are engaged for seven years. It's dragging on and on. They have a child together. And I think my initial reaction is I really hope they just work it out and that they actually, you know, maybe this is the catalyst and the redemption of all things, right? Where they get married and they do right by their son in affirming that relationship as mother and father and a husband and wife for their child. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, years ago we were we were we bought a house and we gutted it, and you know we're in this like. Uh, area where everybody's taking care of their houses and my driveway is full of junk i mean tons of junk and my neighbor he's got it together and i apologize to him i said jim i'm really sorry about the mess i'm 
cause and I'm leaving this out night after night. He said, Devin, it always gets worse before it gets better. And I think that that's the way it has to be in relationships. All of us, whether we like it or not, we're bringing a lot of baggage and a lot of wounds into the sacrament of marriage. And marriage is not meant to be happily ever after on earth. Marriage is meant to be a purifying fire. As G.K. Chesterton said, it's a duel to the death. So the idea is, is you put two people of opposite sex with different backgrounds, different ancestries, different woundedness, and you put them in a box for 50 years and you say, work it out. And the only way that it can work out is by God's grace. But God has designed it in such a beautiful way that it purifies one another of selfish um just selfishness. And and then it trains us to learn how to be a self-gift. And I mean, our wounds fit together so perfectly. That's what marriage is about. So that when we bring these wounds in, actually by our spouse addressing those wounds, not fulfilling, not satisfying, because it's impossible, but simply by addressing the needs of the other, there's healing. And that's what marriage is meant to do. It's meant to heal us, restore us, so that we can find Christ in and through our spouse. But we don't trust Christ. And I think that when you come down to this whole situation here, what's going on? Lack of commitment, right? Like you, you've said, right. lack of commitment. Right. So what's going on? When we're afraid of commitment, especially as guys, it means that we're afraid of losing control. And when we're afraid of losing control, that means we don't trust. And when we don't trust, that means we do not have a good relationship with God the Father at all. It all boils down to trust. It all comes down to trust. So if I trust, then I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to take risks. And one of those is committing myself, especially to another human being in marriage, and trust that by God's grace, I'm going to learn to love through that experience. I'm going to learn to give myself away. And in giving myself away, I will become fully alive. Mm-hmm. Devin, when we're talking about this and this challenge with commitment, and by the way, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Devin Schaff from the Fathers of St. Joseph. We're talking about Ime Yudoka, the Celtics coach who was suspended for an entire season ahead of him over an affair that he had with a fellow employee that goes against the policies and rules for the Celtics team. Uh, his fiance of seven years is actress Nia Long. You may know her from NCIS and Empire. But when you were talking about commitment, Devin, I couldn't help but keep thinking about this challenge that a lot of men in particular, and women too, but it's a gentleman's hour here on Trending, but men in particular have when it comes to commitment. And I find it fascinating because men will delay, delay, delay into defining what the relationship is and kind of just casually date and lead, lead a woman along for sometimes a long period of time where she finally has to have that relationship. Can we define what this is? And then once it's defined, these prolonged years of dating tie a woman down to that relationship without any permanent long-term next step commitment into marriage. But then there's stories like this that absolutely drive me bonkers. When you hear Ime Yudoka has been engaged to his fiance for seven years, Devin, seven years. And it makes me think about how men love to tie women down today to have that commitment of girlfriend, fiance, whatever it might be, but they're perfectly okay not setting a date or not getting engaged because they get comfortable or they want that exclusivity, but they're not necessarily dishing out the same exclusivity themselves. Well said, yeah. And the reason for the delay is that they're hoping that something will come along that's better. 
because right. see, so so what's going on here? If we really peel off the layers, everybody desires perfection. Everybody desires perfect love. But when we meet someone we're really attracted to, we may love them. Um, and we were thinking, hey, this could be the one. But we realize, whoa, that person isn't perfect. Perfect. Big surprise, right? And then we're like, well, maybe there is someone better. The problem, what's going on is we want God, but no human being can be God. We're waiting for God in a human being. And instead, really what we want, what we really need is we need the imperfect spouse who will then perfect us and then we will have God. So, so we've got to peel back this false notion of, I'll just wait for something better. Something better most likely will not come if you've met the one that you're supposed to be with. And I think that really, I, I, mean, I said this before, but most men don't have affairs because they don't love their wives. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just, I just know this from talking to guys. They, they, they don't have affairs because they don't love their wives. They, they have affairs because they don't love themselves. Right. And so, yeah, they're so wounded and wounded people want perfection because they know if they don't have perfection, it will bring out all that woundedness, all that ugliness. And so really, this is where it gets really weird is as the media and the Celtics and everybody is crashing out in Ime, what, what, what are we supposed to do? We're actually supposed to love the guy. We're actually supposed to pray mm-hmm. for the guy. We're actually supposed to ask God to give him the grace to actually be humble and repent and ask his wife for forgiveness. And a friend of mine, just a side note, he was telling me today about, he heard this priest say, guys, he was giving a tree, he says, I only want people who are really going to go to confession tonight. And this 15-year-old comes into his confessional and says, please forgive me for I just killed my child. 15-year-old. And the priest is like, well, well, what's going on? And he explained that he basically took his girlfriend to the abortion clinic. And so then he says, is she, is she close by? Yeah, she's in the parking lot. Bring her in here. So he talks to her, says, do you love your boyfriend? Yes. Then he brings him back in. Do you love your girlfriend? Yes. And he says, then I want you guys to both ask forgiveness from the Lord for the sin. I will absolve you. And guess what? 20 years later, they write him every year, but 20 years later, the Christmas card is they've been married and they've got five children. That's what mercy can do. So as the world comes crashing down with its condemnation, and let's face it, 70 to 80% of guys are regularly doing just as much as this guy with pornography. Okay. And we, David did, did as much, if not worse, in, in killing you know, um, a man, Uriah, in order to have Bathsheba in order to have that child. It doesn't, it doesn't say that that sin is okay at all. It doesn't give permission that. All I'm saying is, is what really needs to happen is, I'd love it if a million Catholics got together and prayed for this guy's soul, prayed for his conversion, and then watch what happens. Amen. And I'm so glad you said that because that's the power of prayer. And you are listening right now and you can pray for Ime Udoka and his fiance, actress Nia Long. And truly, this is opportunity. Prayer changes and saves lives. And so I want to encourage you to offer a prayer for them. If you think of it, you know, even more than today, I made a prediction a couple of years ago that Shia LaBeouf was going to convert to Catholicism, playing Padre Pio. And I said, we got to pray for him. We got to pray for him. And I know you've been praying for him. And lo and behold, <laughs> here he is. He's converted to Catholicism. So yes, these are people we need to pray for. And if you've experienced betrayal, 
trauma in a marriage and relationship. We just did an episode on Friday with our good friend, Devin, uh, Jim O'Day from Integrity mm-hmm. Restore. And we mm-hmm. talked about betrayal trauma. We talked about, you know, r- the fact that men don't cheat because they don't love their wives. And that's really hard to wrap your head around. But we really took a deep dive into betrayal trauma. And so I hope you'll check out that episode. We'll post the link on social media as well as in the podcast notes for today's show for you to share that with someone who might be going through that or just to know, to understand as well. Um, But I just want to drive home that idea that you were talking about, Devin, that we should really support and encourage uh, when there's infidelity, when there's a brokenness, when there's hurt in marriage, that we encourage fidelity, not to walk away, not to end in divorce, not to say, you know what, don't commit, don't get married, especially if there's a child there. That's a very serious thing to, you know, again, discern. But again, that that responsibility of being a parent to that child outside of wedlock, there is, you know, maybe you really should marry that woman. And I think that our culture does the opposite. I remember in our family, I've seen it multiple times before in extended family members where, you know, someone's going through a difficult bout in marriage and one person wants to leave and people say, yeah, leave, you'll be happier. And then there they are, they're divorced. And then people are saying, yes, get married again. I went, excuse me, they're already (laughs) married and they're married in the church. And so we live by a different standard within the Catholic worldview of marriage, that marriage is permanent, it's faithful, it's fruitful and total. You can't just divorce. There's no such thing as divorce in the Catholic Church. And we are called to fidelity in the midst of the most challenging circumstances, even in fidelity. So again, pray for Ima Yudoka, actress Nina Long, along with the woman who was caught in the midst of this with this affair and her husband as well. You're listening to Trending with Timurai here on Relevant Radio. That's Devin Schatt for the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can check them out at Fathers of St. Joseph.org. That's Fathers of stjoseph.org. He has a number of books available. Incredible network for Catholic fathers that you should get involved with. We're going to come back. We're going to dive into the FBI raid on a pro-life family and the arrest of the father of the home. Why? Because they're pro-life. We'll talk a little bit more about that here on Trending. I think this is a scare tactic by the pro-abortion movement to keep us from being public witnesses for life, especially with 40 Days for Life kicking off today. I'll be right back here on Trending with Tim Murray during a weekly Gentleman's Hour with a Devin Schaaf. If you have a question, number is 1-888-914-9149. You can also ask your question now on Instagram. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We know that prayer changes and saves lives, and it changes even the impact of national disasters. I want to ask you to join me in praying a memorare for the protection of lives and property of everyone in the path of Hurricane Ian. I know we have a lot of family and friends who are hunkering down, many of whom didn't leave or didn't have the opportunity to leave. Uh, So let's pray for all of those in the path of Hurricane Ian. Together we'll pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, most gracious Virgin Mary, that never wasn't known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, I fly into thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. 
O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Our Lady of Hope, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And please join Father Rocky tonight in the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central to continue to pray for the protection of the lives and property of everyone in the path of Hurricane Ian. You're joining me now during our weekly Gentleman's Hour here on Trending with Timory. We're taking your questions. If you have a question about fatherhood, dads, whatever it might be, we're happy to take it. That number is 1-888-914-9149. It might be related to dating. This is your opportunity. Catholic man, Catholic questions, answering them from a Catholic perspective. Devin Shad is my guest from the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can find him at Fathers of St. Joseph. Org. He is the founder there and has written a number of fantastic books I highly recommend. Um, Devin, let's talk a little bit about what's happening right now in the pro-life world and the persecution going on. There's a lot that can be said, but I want to talk in particular about the FBI raid on the pro-life Catholic family Um last week that happened on Friday morning, 7 a.m., and that led to the arrest of the father. Um, I know you actually know Mark yourself. Um, Mark Houck has pled not guilty to federal charges after the FBI raided his home. So for those who maybe haven't followed the story, um, Mark Houck and his family, they have seven children. Um, The FBI agents, somewhere between 20 and 30 agents, showed up at their doorstep on Friday morning very aggressively, pounding down the door. Uh, Mark tries to run to the door. It's very loud and scary. The kids are kind of freaking out just with the door being banged on. Um, And he's trying to calm the agents down before he answers the door. He answers the door and they just come in guns a-blazing, pointing weapons at Mark and his wife and ordering the children upstairs as they're holding massive weapons at Mark and his wife. Uh, Completely unannounced, obviously. It sounds like there was actually no search warrant. And what's interesting, if you actually follow the story, the question is, why did the FBI raid the home of this pro-life Catholic family? Well, First of all, Mark Houck um, is a, a incredible, incredible advocate for men and for the pro-life movement. He has an organization called the Kingsmen. I've had the opportunity to work with Mark before uh, at men's conferences, and he is a powerhouse fighting against the wounds of pornography, helping to, men to heal, and um, helping men in those pillars and that strength of masculinity in our culture. He also is a passionate pro-life advocate and sidewalk counsel, stands in front of the abortion clinic, reaching out and helping women who are in crisis pregnancy situations. So what happened was last year, 2021, in the fall, so nearly a year ago, he is out there with his 12-year-old son and he's sidewalk counseling and an abortion clinic worker, uh, actually a volunteer, um, starts harassing Hulk's 12-year-old son. And he t- and the guy is being very, very vulgar and inappropriate before the 12-year-old son. It continues to go on. The abortion facility volunteer is actually kind of getting in the personal space in the face of this 12-year-old boy with vulgar, vulgar language. Uh, the father, Mark Houck, steps in and says, stop. And the man does not stop. So he steps in between his son and this man who is being, uh, again, overstepping a physical boundary with how close he is, as well as being extremely vulgar. The guy doesn't stop. So Hulk, trying to get him to stop, gives the guy a shove. The guy falls. The guy was totally fine. 
but the guy did fall. Well, he then, court case ends up happening. Um, the district attorney throws it out. The police completely write it out. Civil affairs, it's completely thrown out by the courts. And in part because of the person who fell also didn't show up for any of the court dates because clearly it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, he's then contacted Mark Houck uh, a week or so later by the Department of Justice saying, hey, we're looking into this um, because in light of violating the FACE Act, which is an act that has to do the freedom of access of clinic entrances. So what that has to do with is making sure that someone can still get access, receive access to entering into an abortion clinic. And essentially, this had nothing to do with restricting access to an abortion clinic. This had to do with a 12-year-old boy being aggressively spoken to and his private space and safety was being threatened and a dad standing up and saying, stop, stepping in between, still not stopping, and so shoving the man away. Surprise, he didn't punch the guy. I think that takes a lot of restraint. Uh, That's my initial reaction to this. And so all of this happens a year ago. And what happens is when the Department of Justice contacts Mark Houck, Mark says, I'm happy to come in, let me know. He never hears another thing for almost a year. And then the FBI raids his home and arrests him at gunpoint in front of his children. Uh, let's talk about this. Devin Schatt from the Fathers of St. Joseph is here with me. We had to kind of set the scene. You know Mark personally as well. Uh, what are your initial reaction? What's your initial reaction to this whole scenario? Well, I roomed with Mark uh, at the TOB Theology Body Institute back in, I think it was 2004 at BlackRock. Christopher West was putting it on, and that's where I first met him. And and you're right, Mark is a great guy. He's not only a great guy, but he's all in for the Lord. And he he loves, you know, trying to heal men through his men's ministry and give them the Lord's grace as much as possible. He's a great guy. Um, the the key here is this, is that I what I my initial gut reaction when I heard it is, Okay, so so the U.S. government, Joe Biden and his initiatives, what they're doing is they are basically assaulting Mark Houck for defending his son from being emotionally killed. That's what was going on. That guy was, that guy was attacking Mark's son to get the mark. He was basically trying to emotionally destroy Mark's son. And so now the government is going to advocate the emotional destruction of young people in support of killing babies. It just doesn't make sense. And that's what the Proverbs say in the, those days, or I think it, or somewhere in the scriptures, they will call good evil and evil good. You know, And I think, I don't know if you saw the um, new Italian prime minister, but she quoted G.K. Chesterton basically saying the same thing. And and that's where we're at in our culture is it's bass backwards. We're, we're just saying, okay, yeah, this guy is defending his son an innocent life, and yet we're going to uphold this guy who is basically just using the worst derogatory terms and getting in his face and making his life miserable. We're going to defend that guy just because he's, he's you know, leading people to an abortion clinic. I think it's absolutely ridiculous, first of all. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the good news is, is what is happening now? I mean, if you look at the fundraising page, so you can go to thekingsmen.org thekingsmen.org and then there's a link about what's happening to mark and it takes you to a donation page the fine is three hundred fifty thousand dollars from the u.s government and 11 years in prison for mark 11 years in prison they want to steal this dad from his family and this is just the beginning and i think that the government is really scared 
And why do we know it's scared? Because it is lashing out at those who are very innocent to try to intimidate us. And so 11 years in prison, $350,000. But if you go onto the site, you'll see, and I beg everyone to go to the site and give money, they are almost at the goal of $350,000. And I think, Timory, you're the prayer warrior leader. Like, I mean, that's awesome about, you know, the things that are happening while you're summoning these people through your radio show to pray. But get your people to pray that Mark will be delivered from this unreasonable, ridiculous, evil, malicious, whatever you want to call it, sentence, punishment. It's just based on lies and intimidation. And we should all be praying for Mark for his deliverance because those seven children, they're going to be greatly wounded because of this whole thing. And his poor wife, I can't even imagine what they're going through right now. Mark is actually at home now, I believe. He texted me uh, this morning and basically what he's requesting is he's just saying, he's just saying, tell everybody that he's, you know, sincerely and heartfelt, you know, thankful for all the love and support and the requests uh, for continued prayers. He just prays that we'll continue to pray for him especially for his wife and his children have been victimized by this thing. I mean, it's like gladiator. This is crazy, except with children involved, you know, uh, the, mm-hmm. the emperor, you know, kind of wigs out and, uh, you know, betrays Maximus. And now he's off and running. I feel like that's what Mark's got going on right now. But God can do anything. God can triumph. And, and that's what we need to pray for. And I'm looking at the photo of his children. He has seven children. They are so young. I couldn't even imagine. I know his wife was saying they were screaming, screaming upstairs. Mm-hmm. And the mom and dad have 20 to 30 men in their home holding guns at well, them get and this. arresting get this. their the father. Kids, yeah, the kids are screaming, he's my best friend. He's oh. my best friend. And guess what? That's when the SWAT officers started to feel ashamed because they were like, wait a minute, something something's not right here. Now, now think about that. He's my best friend. And you've got guys who are defending the innocent, supposedly realizing, Hey, this guy, he gets along with his kids. He gets along with his wife. This guy is innocent. Yeah, man. I I look at this whole story and it's really about kids at the end of the day. It's about a 12 year old boy being verbally assaulted and at threat of being physically assaulted. And by the way, details have come out about this abortion clinic uh, volunteer in front of the clinic that there are some things going on mentally with this man. And Mm -hmm. for Mark to have stepped in, he did the right thing, especially not knowing that there are things going on with this man, such as this, but obviously so if he's willing to pick on it verbally and potentially physically a 12-year-old boy, but then it becomes even more so about children. The FBI, with no warning, when even Mark contacted the Department of Justice saying, I'm happy to come in, happy to talk, they would raid that home. I really do think, Devin, looking at this, the timing is not... um, The timing's not coincidental. We are up against a national election uh, in just Mm -hmm. over a month here. People are already casting their votes. You know, we're at a time where people may be out on the streets, uh, going door to door, campaigning. And I think that President Biden, Catholic President Biden, who is not pro-life, and his Department of Justice, the FBI, that they are targeting pro-life people right now to scare us out of, one, talking, two, standing up publicly, and three, into just giving up, that this is what will happen to you. And I think that that's what's so 
poignant about Mark and his family being targeted. Look, we'll do this to you in front of your children. We'll do this to you when you really did nothing wrong. And we can't we can't just cower. And I think that just the fact that over the last few days, they've been able to raise $310,000 out of three hundred fifty to help this family <laughs> speaks volumes that we're saying, nope, mm-hmm. not happening. But also today kicks off 40 Days for Life. And this is going to try and scare people out of going in front of the abortion clinic. And maybe it does scare you. Uh, I know if my husband has heard about this story, he probably has and is wishing that I don't go to the abortion clinic tomorrow uh, to pray. But that's what the devil wants. That's what President Biden wants for us not to save lives and change hearts and minds right now. Yes. Amen. Amen. You preach it, sister. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you know, we have two choices. Uh, We can either run or we can remain. There's a reason why Jesus said in John 15, he said, abide in me seven times. And that Greek word for abide is mene, which means remain. He's begging them, pleading them to remain with him. Because why? Because you're going to be intimidated. You're going to be shamed. You're going to be persecuted and you're going to suffer. And all of that is to drive you from me where you're actually strong. And so the devil, this is the devil's game. He holds hostage those things that we hold most dear, which are our children and our spouses. And then he tries to bind the strong man, as Mark 3 says. You know, so the devil wants to plunder the goods of the father's house, and that's the wife and the children. And so we have a choice here. We can run and we can just live out our life in comfortable existence and think that the whole world is okay just because we're getting by, or we can remain with Christ. And what that means is that we are going to go to the cross. But I I truly believe that every moment of my life where I've embraced the cross, and I'm talking not just little crosses, but heavy crosses, on the other side is so much glory, so much peace, so much joy. God will not be outdone in generosity. And that's the kind of message here. You give to God, he will give more to you. Be generous with God, with yourself, standing outside these clinics. Be brave and courageous. God will be not be outdone in generosity. He will be victorious. Amen. I want to turn the conversation a little bit, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I am. And if you Uh-oh. are listening right now, I'd love to hear from the fathers and men out there. What would you have done? How would you have handled this? Numbers one eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Devin, okay, you're in this scenario. You're in front of the abortion clinic. You're there praying. Your 12-year-old son's with you, and he starts being verbally attacked by a man who is very, very physically close to him. He's not backing down. You tell him to stop. He doesn't stop. You step in between. He becomes, he continues to violate that private space and be very vulgar in front of an innocent 12-year-old boy. And he shoves him. What would you have done? Would you have shoved the guy? Like, how would you have handled that? Because I think that it, it's interesting to see that he's being punished for that. Yeah. Yeah, well, just another point on that. I I believe this happened repeatedly. Like this wasn't just the only circumstance or time that this Planned Parenthood um, worker or, you know, assistant um, did this to Mark's son. And Mark, from what I understand, was calm in all of those situations. It just finally got to this point. Me, I don't have that restraint. I'm sorry. Mark's probably a saint. I'm not. Um, I'm a wounded man, but I'm also a passionate man. And you mess with my wife, you mess with my children. I come unglued. And and that's part of my, I guess, my weakness and my limitation. I think I need to really depend more on God. Because like we said, I think self-reliance leads to self-hatred. And whenever we rely on ourselves, we're going to 
kind of be happy with ourselves when we do well, but when we fail, we're going to hate ourselves. And so what do we need to do? We need to rely on God in all circumstances, especially under persecution. But it's very hard for me. It's one thing when I'm persecuted. It's a whole nother thing when my wife is persecuted, when my children are being persecuted, when they're being assaulted. And I think, you know, frankly, I'm the father. The oikodespates in the Greek in, in, in Luke 12, 41, talks about the father, the pater famous, the oikodespates. And what is his role? He knows, if he knows when evil is coming, he's going to defend his house. That's the first thing. So he's a protector. And, and so I think that all men are called to protect their families. And, you know, Mark, unfortunately, um, is, you know, being called to the, you know, to, to the carpet on this. But however, he's the victor. He's the winner. He did not do anything to that man that hurt him or anything like that. He simply defended his son. I think that's what we all should be doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's very legitimate. And I think it touches on a nerve that... Um, Men are ready to defend, but they're concerned about the ramifications today. So I know, again, I've not talked to my husband about this story. I almost hope that he doesn't see it because this is like the worst case scenario (laughs) um, of what he's concerned about because, and he's such a good protector and he's concerned about safety. And he's told me multiple times before, Timory, please, you know, don't put me in the situation to have mm-hmm. to defend you. I will always defend you, but don't put me there. So <laughs> examples would be you know, going to yeah. the women's march, um, is seven months pregnant and having, you know, a couple bodyguards <laughs> with me, one including uh-huh. my husband. He's like, you know, be mm-hmm. careful what you say. Okay, fine, you can go, but, you know, please be careful. Uh, you know, things like that where you know, we have to be careful because the reality is, is that we live in a culture where to defend your children and your spouse at times, um, you're looked at the as the villain. And I want, I, men should not feel that way. And I understand why Mm -hmm. they do, but don't let it lead you to shine away from the adequate and proportionate protection of those in need. Nice. Adequate, proportionate protection. It's beautiful. I love that term. Adequate, proportionate protection. That is awesome. And, and this is where we really need to get down to equipping people with the truth. Passivism is a, is a heresy. The church condemns passivism. So we need to be clear on this. But the church does say that just war is permissible. And so if someone breaks into my home and they want to kill my children, that's just war. That's a mini microcosm of just war. You know, So I am called to defend my family. That is justice. That is the right that I owe my wife and my children. Okay. And so we men are naturally built to be warriors. We have hearts, we have souls, but we're warriors. God is a warrior. Warrior is his name. God is his name. That's what it says in the Old Testament. We are made in his image and likeness as warriors. So there's a there's a scene from Saving Private Ryan that drives me crazy. I couldn't sleep the first time I watched it. It's when <laughs> Upham is outside on the steps with loaded with gun belts. And he's got a, a loaded automatic machine gun. And he's listening to his comrade duke it out with a German soldier in, in this in this, you know, this holdout inside. And he can hear that the fight is going bad. His comrade is going to die. And as the knife is slowly, the German soldier is slowly driving the knife down into this tired comrade. Basically, it's about ready to penetrate chest. You're thinking, Upham's going to go in there and just blow his brains out. He's going to save the day. But he doesn't. He's a pacifist. And he sits outside weeping because he's a pacifist. And when the German soldier gets done killing that comrade, 
He comes out and you think he's going to kill Upham? No. You know why he doesn't kill him? Because he's not even worth killing. Because he couldn't even defend anyone. And see, that's what we have a lot of times. The Christian faith, if we don't get it right, can condition us to be Uphams, where we're so afraid to defend uh, defend ourselves, to defend our families, to defend the truth. There are times when just war is demanded. And I know we're all called to be martyrs, and we're all called to lay down our lives, and this is highly controversial, but just war is real, and pacifism, pacifism is not acceptable. Mm. It's a challenge. It's a challenge in the 21st century. It's a challenge in a radical feminist society that says to be a man, to defend, is wrong. And that's why we uphold that men are protectors. That's a God-given gift. But as you and I were talking about, adequate and proportionate defense, just war, just war in the many micro scenarios that we may experience in our day-to-day lives. I think that this story is startling to many people an opportunity to pray but i think should be inspiration of saying you know what we do the right thing no matter what that's been devin shat here on trending with timory you can find him at fathers of stjoseph.org that's fathers of stjoseph.org please go and check them out in their work and we've posted links on social media as well as in the podcast notes for this episode it'll be available this evening to support um, Mark and his family in the midst of these legal challenges, persecution, and the targeting of what could be you or I, you know, pro-life advocates, pro-life Catholic families. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I will be right back during our weekly Gentleman's Hour taking your questions. talking about what you're thinking about you're listening to trending with timory on relevant radio and the relevant radio app welcome back to trending during our weekly gentlemen's hour here on trending and as we were talking about the fbi rating the pro-life family's home and arresting the father of the family mark Houck. uh just a final question that came in that i do want to address if you've not followed the story please listen to the uh, episode of the podcast later this evening, relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcast, because it really did pose a legitimate conversation about defense, defense of your family, a defense of your children and spouse, especially in a time where sometimes people, especially men, feel uh, criticized um, or endangered by the law for legitimate and even restrained restrained um, defense of children. So I think that is an interesting conversation. I'd love to continue it. So if you have a thought, uh, please do send it my way, one 914 or on social media. It'll be a topic we'll have to continue to take up as we follow this story. But one question came in, uh, should we be prepared to have a video camera all the time when doing pro-life vigil uh, work? 
And I do understand the legitimacy of that, given the context of being in front of the abortion clinic. So being trained in pro-life activism, I am trained that you should always have a video camera out if someone should be videotaping if you're out doing activism. Uh, I do take the approach with regard to, you know, if you're in a large enough group to have someone, if you're in front of the abortion clinic and things are calm and everything's okay, you don't need to videotape. But if someone comes up and starts confronting you, whether it might be a police officer or even a um, a clinic worker or just someone off of the street, it's a good time to just take a camera out and to have um, to have a camera that is documenting what's happening. And for a couple of reasons, one, it does provide a layer layer of accountability when someone knows that they're being videotaped. And do you call it videotaping? So, anyways, it's a, when they're being recorded via camera. <laughs> anyway, um, then. It also does provide a level of a safety net in the event that something happens. And again, a situation like this is a great example. There was a legitimacy to Mark Houck shoving this man who was confronting and being verbally abusive and aggressively within the space of his 12-year-old son. And he told him repeatedly to stop. He stepped in between them and finally did shove the man. The man was fine. Yes, he fell, but he was fine. Uh, It shows that, yes, it would be helpful even in a scenario such as that, where you have a camera showing the thing that you did to defend with adequate and proportionate defense um, what you did to defend your child or someone right there in front of you. So, I think that's a great question. A call came in from Joe in California. Joe, welcome to Trending. What's your question today? Hi, Timory. Yeah, so uh, I know as a man, we're generally built to be defenders. And I know a lot of guys who have uh, legal concealed carry permits to carry a firearm in case of total last resort, like got to defend life. Uh, so I was wondering what your thoughts are on carrying a legal concealed carry pistol uh, and going out to pray at abortion clinics um, because, you know, the optics of firearms can, like, maybe not look super great in today's culture, uh, but it is legal, technically, to have them. So, yeah, I mean, the Second Amendment does give us the right to hold weapons. And in some states, you have the ability to conceal carry. And I think that's legitimate. Even the Catholic Church talks about legitimate defense. And this is where we were talking earlier about adequate and proportionate defense being used. Now, the question specifically is, what do I think about someone who is in front of the abortion clinic concealed carrying? Well, that's your right in the United States of America. That is your right as a human being to protect and provide for your family. Um, I have, I'll just be very frank here. I know people who have concealed carried in front of the abortion clinic um, for safety reasons. Have they ever had to take out or use their weapon? No, but do I understand sometimes the repeated um, presence of doing pro-life activism, especially if you are someone who might have a little bit of a reputation of being known for pro-life activism? Activism, Yes. Am I saying you should go always with a concealed, <laughs> carried, making sure you're permitted to an abortion clinic? No, but I'm saying I don't think there's anything wrong with that, just like whether it's in front of an abortion clinic. You know, I, we have a lot of family and law enforcement And I can tell you, I remember two years ago, we had a major uh, graduation. I think it was actually right before COVID and things were 
in, already in our nation at a very uh, tense point in time. And uh, some of our family members and law enforcement were concealed carrying. And part of me was a little struck by it at first. You know, I'm all for the Second Amendment. And again, the church upholds our ability to defend and protect ourselves and our loved ones and the responsibility to do so. But I remember I was startled thinking, you're just at a family graduation and you're just at a family party. And one of the family members just looked at me kind of saying, well, you kind of have the audacity to say that. You're one person who is kind of rather controversial today, uh, stirring the pot that could be a reason for someone to desire to do harm. And he said, and also in general, he said, there are a lot of people out there who are not reasonable with regard to how they handle public situations. And there are causes for needing to defend, legitimately defend your loved ones. And he said, I have the capacity to do so. And therefore, I have the responsibility to do so. And it did strike me that, you know, in a seemingly maybe innocent environment where we might not think that a concealed weapon is necessary or even might be a little too much, this is why we have concealed permits. Because you have to go through thorough training in order to access that permit. You have to go through proper checks that should be upheld. When we talk about gun problems today, the gun problems today are not occurring with people who legally have guns. And the majority of what we're seeing are instances where someone has illegally obtained a gun uh, and did not have training, did not have the proper evaluations to do so. And so I think this is a legitimate question. I know it's going to stir the pot and probably upset some people. But again, it's a part of the Second Amendment. The Catholic Church does uphold our right to defend. And this is where the conversation comes back earlier, to adequate and proportionate defense. And I mentioned earlier, you know, this is like a worst case scenario following the story of the FBI raid of the pro-life family and the arrest of Mark Houck, the father of seven. Uh, this is a worst case scenario. I mean, my husband, if he hasn't already heard it, has, is probably aghast at it because we talk all the time about how he said, please don't put me in a situation where I have to defend you. He said, I always will, but don't cause a situation. Don't cause a problem in public because we live at a time where men today who defend their families are persecuted for doing so. And my husband personally used Brazilian jiu-jitsu or learned Brazilian jiu-jitsu specifically for the ability to be able to fight also without a firearm and that he could handle a hand-to-hand fight if necessary for the sake of protecting his family. I understand the legitimacy of concern about people who are not sane today causing aggressive situations. And to hear a situation such as this, that the real story is that a 12-year-old boy was being verbally, verbally attacked and scandalized and his physical space was being violated shows that, yes, there are times where men need to step up and intervene. And when stop isn't enough, when standing between isn't enough, a shove, yeah, a shove is okay to protect and even sometimes landing a blow. And this is not something that Mark even did. He pushed the man away from his son to help keep his son safe. And again, are there other ways that that situation could have been handled? Absolutely. But this was a repeated scenario and offense. And does that mean we should stop praying in front of abortion clinics? Does that mean we should stop standing up for life? No, that means that there are times to legitimately protect and defend ourselves, even if the optics 
might seemingly look bad because not everyone's going to tell the true story. You're listening to Trending with Tamara. That's a great question, Joe. Up next is a family rosary across America. Let's pray for all of those in the path of the hurricane here on Relevant Radio. Dating, marriage, relationships, so many questions. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Thursday is our weekly marriage hour, and we'll do anything and everything from taking your questions on dating, marriage, relationships, including experts in all areas of relationships to long-term marriage. We'll also dive into some of the most important topics confronting how to find true love today. So join me Thursday at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.